This is AgriPulse Open Mic, brought to you by the Corn Farmers Coalition. Each year, the nation's farmers continue to amaze with their productive capacity, even in the face of natural disaster. In 2012, farmers grew the eighth largest corn crop in history, despite the worst drought since 1936. Their commitment to the land and growing safe, abundant, and affordable food is an American success story. It is also noteworthy that 95% of this production comes from family farms. To learn more about how productivity and sustainability go hand in hand, go to cornfarmerscoalition.org. And now, AgriPulse Open Mic. Well, Congressman Nolan, welcome to AgriPulse Open Mic. Well, thank you. I'm delighted to have a chance to visit with you. I know you've got a great listening audience out there, and um, you guys do a great job of, of getting news and information about uh, important agricultural policy decisions being made here in our nation's capital. You have a remarkable history in Congress. Uh, you say that you call yourself Rick Van Winkle and that you were in Congress, then you were in business, and now you're back in Congress again. And what's your assessment of members of Congress today versus your first stint in Washington, D.C. back in the 70s? Back in the 70s, yeah. Well, you know, there there's some things that um, are dramatically different, and uh, and quite frankly, I don't think good. But um, there's some things that have remained the same, and, and at least the, the newly elected members of the Congress who I've gotten to know well, um, and about half Republican, half Democrat, they all pretty much got the message in the last election that the people are have had it with this uh, partisanship and gridlock, and they want to see a lot more collaboration, cooperation, compromise, uh, problem-solving, fixing things, getting things done. You know, unfortunately, I, I'm not sure the uh, the leadership here has come to that uh, realization yet, and uh, but they will. Uh, in time, uh, and, and perhaps at their own peril. But, you know, the country started here some years ago um, emphasizing the fact that you win elections by not collaborating and cooperating, by uh, being rigid and uncompromising, and that's how you win elections. And, um, you know, it worked for, for, for some time, but people have come to realize you can't, you can't run a country that way. And uh, so, uh, you know, I'm optimistic going forward, um, took us a long time to get where we are, um, but I think it's it, it, we're headed back in the right direction. You know, I've been asked, you know, time and time again, what the major differences are, and of course, um, um, bipartisan cooperation, quite frankly, just got replaced with partisan gridlock. And um, back in the day, we spent most of our time governing and a little bit of time fundraising and getting reelected. And, and nowadays, everybody's spending most of their time fundraising, getting reelected, and a little time uh, governing. You seem to be favoring the size of the SNAP program and the food aid program now, which now takes care of 47 million people in this country. How can you justify something that large in a country when you'd like for us to go back to more individual responsibility? Well, I'll tell you what. Part of the problem that we're having with the food stamp program is a a bit of a lack of understanding about it. About half the people on food stamps are working full-time. Um, 
but the minimum wage has not in any manner, shape, or form kept up with uh, the requirements and uh, in, in the cost of living. Another 70% of the people on the food stamp program uh, are children. But but to your point, um, you know, the farm bill uh, cuts the food stamp program by about $20 billion. It's no, no, small, uh, no small change. And... Um, you know, any kind, any time we try to pass a, a, a farm bill um, here in the uh, in the Congress, it, it requires a lot of uh, rural and uh, urban support. And I'm concerned, quite frankly, about the, the fate of the of the farm bill um, because you 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 have one element here in the Congress is saying a twenty billion dollar cut in food stamps isn't enough. And you have another element in the Congress uh, saying, uh, you know, it's too much. And um, back to my earlier, earlier, uh, you know, statement, it, it's in, in compromise that we get things done. And uh, so, uh, you know, nobody's going to, no, nobody ever gets their way 100% in this business. Let me uh, continue on the farm bill to closure on this and my question of whether or not you think that this farm bill will pass with this uh, gap between Republican and Democrat points of view, uh, and how many Democrats would really vote for that bill? Well, you know, I think the outcome is uncertain. Um, I had a meeting here this morning uh, with all of the parties involved in the uh, sugar policy that's contained in that farm bill. And when I had served here in the past, I used to carry the the sugar legislation. Um, but that just you know it, it shows how t- tough and complex all of all of this gets. You have the uh, cane growers and the beet growers. You you have their processing uh, facilities. You uh, have you know thirty forty countries that want import quotas. You've got the Teamsters Union, the Confectionery Workers Union, the Migrant Workers Unions. These are all the people that are employed in the business and in the industry. You got the corn growers who are competing with the, uh, you know, the cane and the beet growers. And you got the Coca Colas and the Hershey chocolates and the Pepsis that all want cheap sugar. I mean, putting all this together is no, <laughs> no easy task. And we've got a good sugar policy contained um, in this farm bill that um, we believe uh, protects uh, producers, um, but also has some key provisions in there to um, avert um, any kind of uh, overproduction as well, so that um, you know the confectionery industry as well as the sugar producers. And the men and women who work in the industry uh, can all, you know, the workers can get a fair wage, the producers can get a price for their product, and the uh, confectionery uh, yeah, and the beverage industry can uh, get sugar at a reasonable price. And, um, you know, the same can be said of dairy, and the same can be said of um, so many of the products that are contained in the farm bill. So... Um, I met uh, today uh, with a, a large group of congressmen and the various parties associated with the sugar policy. Um, I'm going to leave this interview. I'm going to go and meet with a group of uh, a caucus here, a, a big city urban congressman, to make a pitch for the farm bill. 
And, of course, they're going to have questions about, you know, milk marketing orders and sugar policy and crop insurance and all the rest. So um, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a struggle. And I, I, I would be hesitant to predict at this point what, what the outcome is going to be. Congressman Rick Nolan, you have a strong background in international trade, and I just wonder how you view the efforts of our government to open up trading opportunities in global markets. In my judgment, we haven't been doing a very good job. Um, we just, uh, speaking of forestry, we just had several uh, uh, paper mills announce uh, that um, the uh, slowing down of operation and the release of several hundred employees. We have another operation that has uh, completely shut down their operations. And as a result of it, um, a determination has been made uh, by the the, uh, U.S. Department of Labor and Trade Office that they are the victims of unfair trade, meaning that um, in this particular case, there's a plant that competes with them up in Canada that gets a $550 million annual subsidy. Um, there are other plants in Asia that are getting 30 40% subsidies from uh, the government, places like Indonesia and China. Well, it makes it kind of hard to, uh, to compete um, when these uh, other competitors are able to bring their product into this country without any tariffs, without any duties, and, and, and compete. And it makes no sense to me at all. <laughs> to to say that we're shutting down a plant, um, which, by the way, is considered to be one of the most efficient plants in the world, um, because they're a victim of unfair trade and then put all the workers on a, on a, on a wide range of uh, trade assistance programs involving unemployment and education and retraining. If, if I have my way, um, we would change the trade policy and we'd keep those plants operating. They're good plants. They're efficient. Uh, they, uh, they, they, they do a great job. And the same can be said on a lot of these agricultural products. We were just talking about sugar here a minute ago. Uh, The single largest importer of sugar um, into the United States are are the Mexicans. And um, um, they do it uh, 100% duty-free. And uh, the sugar producers in this country are are getting the lowest price for their uh, sugar that they've gotten in, in, in decades. And yet you see absolutely no decline in the prices that uh, Pepsi and Coke and Hershey and all the big uh, confectionery users. So, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm quite concerned about our trade policy because you just see that in sector after sector after sector um, where these uh, big multinationals um, move so much of their production uh, offshore um, where they get all kinds of various other government assistance, and they come in with all kinds of unfair trade. But, um, you know, beyond that, um, you know, there are, you know, a number of things that the government can do and, and, and does do to help uh, facilitate, um, you know, um, uh, the, the agricultural industry to, to market its programs overseas. We have the market access programs. It's called MAP. And we got the market development programs, and uh, they bring dollars to tra- trade associations, to ag co-ops, to small businesses, uh, to help them promote their products around the world at various trade shows, uh, do research, uh, do consumer uh, education. As an export trader, I can tell you that uh, that can be very, very helpful, and uh, I took advantage of those programs. Many of the other countries of the world 
have similar, if not much more aggressive programs to help uh, their companies export their products. So uh, we're doing that, but we can do a better job on that, too. One last question, Congressman, and that is uh, your district has forestry and mining, who are basic, uh, those are basic industries in our country, and um, the EPA seems to be uh, either harassing them or definitely wanting to do regulation that reaches all the way to the to the forest and to the mines. And I wonder your view of the actions of EPA in regulating those industries in your district. Well, you know, two things. Um, I've, I've told people, you know, growing old doesn't have a lot of advantages, um, but one of them is a perspective on things. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, the lakes and the rivers were catching on fire and the acid rain was destroying our forest and uh, the rivers were uh, running cesspools and um, it, it uh, there was a large hue and cry that we do something and that's when EPA was created and you know, we've made a lot of tremendous progress, and it was, a, it was a big fight back in the day. But there's been a great change in attitude and mentality. And today, um, most all the business and industries that, that I work with, at least in, in mining and forestry and, and uh, light manufacturing, um, they're willing to, to do whatever is expected of them. And particularly up in the 8th District of Minnesota, um, you know, we love the great outdoors. We got our forests and lakes up there, and, and that's why we live there. So there's nobody in business, labor, uh, or in the community has any interest in despoiling uh, any of our, our great outdoors. And I, I, I think as a result of that, you know, EPA needs to, to, to pull back a little bit. Not on the protection, because um, we, we want protection, but they need to recognize that business and industry is more than willing to, to collaborate and to cooperate and to do exactly whatever is expected of them. Um, the only thing we would like to see is, you know, a little more streamlined process, not an abandonment of rules and regulations, but, um, you know, a process where it doesn't take you 8, 10 years and $50 million to get a project approved. That, that's just off the charts. That's, that's not necessary. So whether you're talking about, you know, regional haze, the companies are saying, fine, we'll do that. You know, just give us a little time here and, Work with us, and 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 we'll do that. You're talking about highway building, you know, that's just fine. You know, you're talking about uh, mining expansion. You know, as long as you're compliant with with uh, the environmental rules and regulations, that'll be fine. So there's there's a new mentality here, and I'm not sure EPA and Army Corps might not have caught up with it, but we're talking to them every day, and we're going to their offices here in Washington, and going to their offices and, and, and the regional offices and the local offices. and um, They're coming around slowly, but uh, we're making things better. And we're going we're gonna to bring business, industry, and the EPA together, not for the purpose of abandoning our, uh, our concern about protecting the environment, but to just streamline the process and uh, lower some of the cost here so we can get some things done. Congressman Rick Nolan from Minnesota. Thank you very much for being our guest on AgriPulse Open Mic. Well, thank you, and uh, it's just a great pleasure to visit with you and your, uh, and your listening audience. You have a good day out there, everybody. AgriPulse Open Mic has been brought to you by the Corn Farmers Coalition. Learn more about how productivity and sustainability go hand in hand. Go to cornfarmerscoalition.org. I'm Ken Root.